And I would like to speak about some of those, and I'll tell you how I came up to this, this message. I'm working on a message out of the book of Haggai, uh, as well as Zechariah. The book of Haggai is amazing. I, it's four prophecies in that book. It's two chapters long, and it is a book that is very relevant for where we are and what God's doing in this hour. And the prophetic words spoken through the prophet as it is, was applicable then, is absolutely applicable to us in the hour that we're in. And as I'm working on this message, some messages, they just sort of pop together. Other ones, really, I have to labor and pray through. And these, this is the one that, one that I have to labor and pray through. Uh, not tonight's, I mean the Haggai one. And so I needed many hours to do that, and I'm, I'm working on it. And it became clear to me that there's no way I'm going to be able to finish that by tonight. And so I prayed, and I said, Lord, and I just felt like the Lord said, it's time for you to take a nap. And I said, praise the Lord. That's great. Awesome. So, so I gave up on the message, and, uh, and that happens for me. I, I, it's one of the ways that I get messages. So I, I lied down, and I took a nap. I'm going to feel like naps. I'm a napper. I'm a napper from way back. Praise the Lord. And um, in fact, they just told me that's what you do when you're saved on Sunday. This is the way they discipled me, for real. I'm not kidding. This, I'm not, this is not a joke. I got saved. I lived in like this Christian sort of commune thing with a bunch of uh, other brothers and sisters. And um, every Sunday, we'd come back after Sunday, you eat a big meal, and then you nap. And then you get up, and you have a cup of coffee or tea, and you praise the Lord, and you go back to church for Sunday night. That's what we did every Sunday, I mean, for, for years. So it just got, I just, I'd never napped before that. But then, then I realized, well, that's what Christians do. They go home, they, they forget about if you're a glutton, put a knife to your throat. They eat really good. Hello. And then they lie down, take a nap, and, you know, go back to church. That's how I got discipled, you know, in eating and, and napping. And so I've... Did you, did you know that actually on the Sabbath rest, uh, you're, did you know that, you're, that you're, your pulse, your body actually slows down? It's been, it's been proven that your body slows down. Your body wants to slow down. If you don't slow it down, it's really a principle that you need to take a rest, you know, on Sabbath rest, really, on Sunday. It's, it's proven that the rhythm of your physical body will slow down on Sunday. Many people violate that and they end up sick. Anyway, another message. So as I took a nap, I took a nap, and in my nap was Pastor Vince. Imagine that. Pastor Vince, Pastor Vince preaching, actually, from Sunday night. And something he said during his message grabbed me. I was between nap and, and awake. I was sort of just coming out of it. And then right after that, I was reminded of a situation that happened. And I'll, I'll tell you what it was. And then, and then a conversation that I had later on. And then a remembrance of what happened before, if that's not too confusing. The, the point is this. God is not... As, as, as Lucy looked over the balcony and Aslan was walking down the beach in the closing scene of whatever movie that was. Narnia, yeah. Chronicles of Narnia. They were talking about Aslan and that he's a good lion. And, and Tomnus, Mr. Tomnus said, yeah, but he's, he's not a tame lion. You see, you see God, is, God is God. And there's certain things you should not mess with. And if you mess with it, you will end up in trouble. 
And somebody asked me, what's that about the communion and stuff? And so it's in, found in 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And you can turn there if you want to. But there's real perils. The com- communion is not just a little cup of juice and a cracker. It symbolizes the broken body of Jesus on the cross and his blood which he shed for you. And the Apostle Paul said, if you receive the Lord's Supper or communion in an unworthy manner, then literally you are drinking judgment on yourself. I think we ought to know what an unworthy manner is. An unworthy manner is you just take it, you're not going to repent, you're not really examining yourself. We ought to examine ourselves, the Apostle Paul said. And so I began to think about the fact that how many people might take communion, don't raise your hand, but take it in a way that's just like a little happy meal. It is a happy meal, honestly. But I mean, you know, it's a meal that makes you happy because he heals you. Hello, hallelujah, amen. It's great. But you just take it like it's just whatever, wrote. It's no big deal. And I've, I've watched kids be raised in our church over the years of me pastoring, and I, I've watched them become um, apathetic to the presence of God. You see, they're in church so much and around this pool, if you will, this river, this stream, the presence of God. So much so that they just take it that that's the way church is. Now, some of you might have been raised here. Some of you might have been raised in a church like ours. But I will tell you now, our church is unusual. And I know we're not the only kind of church that's like this. God's power and presence is on many churches throughout the land. There's no doubt. But to take for granted what God is doing here can cause you to end up in great danger. And I want to talk about that tonight. Let's, let's, let's look at the, the text So there's these people, these halt, lame, withered folk who are around the pool. I'm going to to tell you, you know what the only worst thing is that being in a dead church? You know what's worse than being in a dead church? Here's what's worse than being in a dead church. Being in one where the power of God's being poured out and you're not transformed. That is worse. Mm, I'm preaching now. Being What's worse than being in a dead church is being in one where the fire, the power, the Word of God, the, an apostolic church, a prophetic church where God's manifesting Himself, people are getting touched and changed, and you are not. There's many people that are waiting for the water to stir. But there's no water. Some people are waiting for the water to stir, and there is water. In the middle of this miraculous environment of John John chapter 5, there's this congregation, and how, how can it be? How can it be that You're in a place where God's power is being manifested. Lots of lives being changed. Lots of people being transformed yet. And I, I have been guilty of this. And I'm not here to pick on you. But I'm here to point at something in the Holy Ghost. How can it be that people come to a church where the Word of God is preached. The power of God is manifested. His glory is here. A measure of it at least. And they remain un changed how could that be how is that possible 
They remain lame in some area of their life. They remain withered in their marriage, withered in their finances, lame in their emotions, unmoved, undiscipled. I'm going to tell you something right now. We are not, I am not here to play church. I can't stand playing church. I never could stand playing church. I would make a horrible youth pastor. Maybe not. I tried youth pastoring before. I usually kill the congregation I have and then... I usually throw in the towel and go back to the adults. But maybe if we stuck around, we'd have a resurrection. How can it be that people can come to a place where the Word is preached, where the power of God is manifested, where, where, where His presence is here in worship? And Let's look at some of the things that happened to this, this old boy. It says in verse, nine, verse 6, when Jesus saw him. Here's this guy who's 38 years. I'm not talking a week sick or a month sick or just a year afflicted. 38 years. Older than many of you that are here. Older than you. He's been lying by the pool of power unchanged. How is that? How, how could that be? And there's some obstacles that uh, we need to navigate. And Jesus sees this man. And I want to tell you tonight. No matter where you are, you're online, you're in Louisiana, you're here in Alaska, no matter where you are, you listen to this message later, He sees you. Jesus sees you. He knows what you're going through. He knows your frame. He knows the difficulties that you're having. He knows your emotional makeup. He knows what you can handle. No temptation, I might add, has seized you except that which is common to man. And God sees you with a heart of compassion. And He's come to help you tonight. He sees you. He sees your lameness. I don't know, you know, you you come to church sometimes, people are just wasted on the inside. But then they come to church and they're like... Praise the Lord. They're totally destroyed on the inside. They're like, hallelujah. They got their hallelujah mask on. Jesus sees this man and he sees us right where we are tonight. And Jesus asked the dude, the lame guy, the 38-year-by-the-pool lame dude, he asked him, do you want to be well? Now that is a fascinating question. It's a fascinating question. Do you want to be well? And I ask you tonight, do you want to be healed? Do you? Well, it's easy to say yes, but you have to look at your actions. You have to look at where you're at. I mean, I've been in services like this where it got pinned down, and I know God's pinning some people down tonight. And then I would just be like, yes, like, you know, like a cow. <laughs> but really inside, I was doing things that were very obvious that I'd... Now, I'm going to get to this, but the truth is sometimes you have dysfunction in your life so long it becomes normal. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes your dysfunction in your life is... You grew up in the whirlwind of dysfunction. You create the whirlwind of dysfunction. And you continue in a whirlwind of dysfunction. And you think you're on fire and this is the life abundant. It's scary when you think you're in life abundant, but you're really in life dysfunction. And so, we, you know, we can say, yes, I, it's fascinating to me. Do you want to be well? You're sitting here 38 years. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? 
What's frightening is that while our hundreds of people are focused on this pool waiting for an angel to come, the one who made the pool is standing next to this guy. So here, here's, here's this man who's 38 years. He's sitting there all lame. He's all lame. He's sitting there. Jesus comes and says, Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be well? Many people are focused on the pool. They've got this idea of how it's going to happen. The pastor is going to come down or the guest evangelist is going to come and say, Oh, hmm. Mm. There's somebody here and give a word of knowledge. And I thank God when that happens. Many of you were focused on the way that, that it's going to happen. Like you heard about a testimony and praise God for testimonies. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony and love our lives. Not so much as to shrink from death. It's one of the ways that you have victory. It's the rubric of the framework for deliverance. We overcome him by the blood and by the word of our testimony. And then don't be afraid. Keep moving forward. Keep obeying. Many people are focused on the pool, waiting for, for some great revivalist to come so that they can, you know, get it the way that their mama got it, maybe, or their brother got it, where they came to an altar. I'm all for altars, and we're going to give altar calls, and we will not stop giving altar calls. And we'll prophesy, and we'll give words of knowledge, and we'll lay hands on the sick, no doubt. But this guy had an idea that God was going to come and stir the pool, that God was going to come and stir the pool. It's going to be this deliverance thing, and it's going to be this angel that comes. Now, some of the texts that you have, you have NIV, it doesn't record the angel, because there's there's uh, some of the, the original texts, there's... It doesn't line up in all of them, so it's left out in some, and it's added in others. I thought I'd, I thought I'd put it, use the King James. It's right in there. Angel. They believe this angel came and stirred the water. The man, 38 years lame, had a picture in his mind, in his heart, about how he was going to get his miracle. And so he's telling Jesus, the one who, the one who commands angels, the second part of the Trinity, second person of the Trinity, I should say, is standing there, the one who made the pool, is standing there. Could it be that God's deliverance for you is not going to come just at an altar, although it might? Could it be that God's deliverance is going to come for you, not, not, through, not through a man who's going to lay hands on you? God can sovereignly touch you. Could it be that God wants to touch you while you're reading your Bible that you never read? Could it be that God wants to break into your life in that worship session, but you're too busy texting in your car? Could it be that you're on your smartphone so much, but you, you, you fail to miss when the cloud comes into your living room, when you've just been singing and then the text comes and you're not sensitive enough, so you, you don't put the phone down. You continue to text and you get off of focus on what God's doing in your prayer time or just quit just a little bit early right before God releases some angelic power upon you to bring your deliverance. Could it be? Could it be that the stirring of the pool is something that you'll create in the quiet time that you don't have? It could also be that God wants to bring your breakthrough, but you're convinced it's going to happen in your quiet time. You're convinced it's going to happen in your, in your, in your reading of the Word, but you do, will not come to an altar. You won't come to get prayer from a man because you've got this idea that God does everything, can do anything, and He knows where I am, He knows my number, and He can touch me. He ain't going to use any man. This 
boy, 38 years lame, had an idea. Well, it's the stirring of the water and some big strapping guy is going to come pick me up and bring me in. And they just, you know, somebody goes in before me. He had an idea of how his miracle. It reminds me of Naaman. You all know the story of Naaman? The Big Dipper. You remember Naaman? Naaman? Naaman comes and, and, and I've shared this many times and I've preached from this text before. Naaman comes and he gets the word from the prophet. If I could just summarize it very quickly, the prophet says, go to the Jordan dip seven times. He's like, what? That nasty, muddy river? Can't I go back home and dip in some of my beautiful rivers? You know, it's like going down to the Kenai. Can I dip down in the Kenai? You don't want to dip in there. It's cold, man. But the picture is as beautiful and clear and up here is murky and glacier water. That's what it was like. He says, I'm not going to do that. And one of, his, one of his men said, if he told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? You just need to do it. And so he dipped and God healed him. There wasn't a man there, although there was a word of release. There wasn't anybody laying hands on him. I'm telling you, when you want a breakthrough and you want a miracle, you do every single thing you can to get your breakthrough. Read the Bible, spend time in prayer, spend time in worship, tithe, give, give alms, help other people, answer altar calls. When you're desperate, you will do desperate things. There was a guy coming home from a bar. He wasn't a believer. He was coming home from a bar and he walked through a, uh, a cemetery. He fell in a, in, a, in a freshly dug grave that was going to be used the following day. Thud. He was inebriated. He wasn't quite sure what happened, but he got himself together and realized, man, I've fallen in a, in, in, a, in a grave. This is creepy. So he's trying to get out. He's grabbing roots, and he just can't get out. It's too deep. So he just says, well, shoot. I'm going to just sit down and wait till the morning, and they'll find me, and then they'll help me out. So he just snuggles up against the walls of that dirt and goes to sleep. Shortly thereafter, after the last call, some other guy leaves the bar walks through the same cemetery, falls in the same grave. Thud. The guy's like, oh, I've fallen in a grave. So he tries to get out. The guy, the first guy, wakes up, sees some other guy who'd fallen in there and says, dude, you ain't going to ever get... He was straight out of that grave. I'm going to tell you, desperation will cause you to do some crazy stuff. Well, the twinkling of an eye, he was at the top of that grave. What's the difference? The difference is one guy was really desperate. And if you are desperate and sick and tired of your stuff, you will do whatever is required. This guy was too focused on the pool instead of the one who made it. Who are you focused on? Who are you focused on? I remember being in a a situation where I had a counselor. I, I was enrolled in a discipleship program, mandatorily. And during that program, I've told this before, but I, you know, I came out of some serious stuff out of the inner city. And I got there and I was introduced to, to you know, Mr. Redneck from Texas, who'd never seen anything but the backside of a John Deere. You know what I'm saying? He'd never been in an aisle. He's been in some rows and some cornfields, but he's never been in, a, in an alley. And I'm thinking, how is, how is the dude with the boots and the straw coming out of his mouth who's got this funny accent going to help me from all that I've been through? And I just used to make fun of him. And finally I said, forget it. I'm not, the, the dude from Texas 
He's a hick, and he can't help me. So I, I went to the, I went all the way to the top, talked to the people that are over the program, and they said, "Well, I'll tell you what, Daniel. Here's what we're going to do. Every morning you're going to get up at 5:30 in the morning, and you're going to go out in one of those sugarcane fields with the hick, except they didn't call him that. And you're going to pray for an hour every day." for the next month. And if after that time you still feel that this should not be your counselor, then you just let us know and we'll let, we'll change it. I said, deal, you're on. Every day, 520, this guy show up. Hey, Daniel, it's time to go. I'd be like, oh, it's the jerk. Praise the Lord. I'd get up. we walk out to the sugar cane field. Do you know what happened after two weeks? I don't even think it was two weeks. It might have been a week. The end of the first week, I think it was on a Friday, we're sitting on a rock in the middle of a sugar cane field. Some guy from the inner city who's gotten just his tail whooped. That's me. And this guy from Texas who'd never seen the inner city. We're weeping and crying in the presence of God. And he's praying for me. And I start weeping and I realize, oh God. And the Lord speaks to me and says, son, I am the counselor. And I'll bring people into your life. But I'll never forget that I'm the one. I'm the one that has the counsel. I am the spirit of truth. And I'm going to help you. And I just broke. Guess what? I never had to get a new counselor. But I did have to find the original one, God, the Holy Ghost, who would lead me and guide me. Is your eye on the pool? Well, if I just had more money, if I just had this, then my lameness would go. If, I, if my wife would just obey me, for the love of God, if my wife would just obey, I'm the man of the house. What in heaven's name? Dude, you're probably the problem. Anyway, th th this guy, this guy was focused on the pool. The second thing is that the man says, I have no man. There is a time when God will use him. It's really two kinds of trials. One kind of trial where if you try to get counsel from man, it's all flat. I mean, not that it wouldn't be the word of God, not that it wouldn't be wisdom, but you're not finding the breakthrough that way. That's when God's trying to get you to touch the hem of his garment himself. And there's other times when you can go after God and it's almost like the heavens are brass. And guess what God wants to do then? He wants to use that hick you don't like. He wants to use man. God uses man God, God, and, 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 and vice versa. You can get addicted. Listen, if this is the only time you get fed some meat, there's something wrong in your walk. If this is the only time you come on midweek or you come on Sunday and, you, and, you, and you're there at your church, you're, you're there and you're, you're getting fed and you're hungry for the Word and you're getting fed, that's great. I'm glad you're getting fed. But if that is not enough feeding, you, you are spiritually emaciated. And you need to feed yourself every day. You need to get the Word of the Lord. I have no man. Some of you codependent. Hey, codependent. Just in case you were sleeping, I woke you up. Some of some of us. I've been. Anybody ever? Anybody else been codependent besides me? I have. Why can't they just? Why won't they? If I just had, if they would really understand me. This guy said, I've got no man. Look, if you're having problems repeatedly and you can't keep friendships and it's always somebody else, guess what? It's you. 
It's you. You're the one that's actually got the issues. It's not them. You're like, I can't understand it for years. For years, I can't just keep any friends. They're all just don't understand me, and they're all selfish, and they're just taking advantage of me. No, you're the problem. I'm just telling you, if nobody wants to be around you, you're the problem. Hello? Hello? This guy had a man problem, and he really, there's times when God wants you to learn to touch his hem of his garment. There's got times when you, you really need to learn to be a self-feeder. And I thank God for, for our church. It's the one I really got saved in, discipled in, got raised up in. I thank God that coming to church, I was fed a, a meaty word and had classes and small groups and all kinds of things that I couldn't, I couldn't feed, I couldn't hardly eat. You know, applesauce, when I first got here, milk would just couldn't even hold it in my mouth practically. I mean, I'd get full of the Holy Ghost one service. I just The, pro, the prophet just said this, our last prophetic conference. He says, you used to come in, get filled with the Holy Spirit, you'd lose it about 30 minutes after service. It's totally true. I'd just run right out my legs. And I go, we got another service. I need another service. Then I realized God wanted me to have another service all by myself. Another problem this guy had is he had a comfort problem. It's interesting that Jesus says, get up and pick up your mat. Get up and pick up your mat. I said this earlier, but when you're dysfunctional long enough, you can get in a comfort where it becomes normal to be dysfunctional. The time that, that, that your conscience just doesn't even understand what normal really is anymore. I remember being on Molokai. We were pastoring there. We had a dear brother come eat dinner with us. Karen, maybe you remember this, but he came and he ate with us, and we just sat down. I mean, we were actually, I remember we were having a bad day. <laughs> it wasn't like the most joy-filled day, you know. And we're sitting there, and we're, you know, we said grace, and we're eating. And I think we were irritated at each other, my wife and I. And the guy starts crying. He's weeping at our dinner table. And I'm like, dude, are you all right? He says, is, 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 is this how it is around your house? I'm thinking, are we that bad? You know, Jesus, help us. You know what I mean? We're having a bad day. For real, it was a bad day. It wasn't even a joy-filled, you know, Holy Ghost, Bracken house day. It was just like we made it. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about? Like maybe you had a day like today, like, whoo, hallelujah. I made it. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Well, it was kind of like one of those days. And the guy's crying, and he says, is this what it's like all the time? I said, oh, no. (laughs) Ready to get rebuked. And he he just starts really crying. And he's like, if you came to dinner at my house. And he he just cried, and he wept. And he shared with us about the chaos that he's grown up in. He didn't even know that there's anything even possible besides about having dinner without strife and an argument where people get in a, you know, fights and, and curse each other. I mean, that's just like how they grew up. And so he's sitting at my table. We're having a bad day. And he's, he's realizing this is how this is like heaven to him. Some of you, even in listening to what I'm saying right now, you're thinking, what do you mean? I'm telling you, there is a place where there's peace. There is a place in God where there's no strife, where you don't have to have arguments and curse at each other and throw food at each other and, and freak out and go to bed angry and then have to repent all the time. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you that that's how I, I, I didn't really have that in my home. I had it to a degree, but I, I took it to the next level. <laughs> but then I got delivered. 
Some of you need to get delivered, and you don't even know that you need it. Oh, I'm popular tonight. Come on, Pastor Barry, give me an amen. All right, amen. Praise God. And we can get comfortable in our bitterness. You can get comfortable in your lust. You can get comfortable in your anger. You can get comfortable in your hatred. You can get comfortable in your pornography. You can get comfortable in the cigarettes that you're smoking where God's been speaking to you and telling you to quit. And He's telling you you're giving yourself cancer, but you can't seem to break it. You can break it. Yep, you just got to get the Word. You got you to come to every single altar call there is. Say, I want nicotine broken off of me. I don't care if you eat nicotine gum, exercise. Well, you know, it says the world will tell you that cigarettes give you cancer for the love of God. God's been trying to tell you and you keep smoking. And you're wondering why you don't have the mega blessing. He's been telling you. Some too weak. No, you need new fire. You need some help. I don't think cigarettes will take you to hell. I'm not positive of that. I'm not. It'll make you smell like you've been there. Mmm, yeah, hallelujah. Some people aren't laughing. You're probably the smokers, huh? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Other people, other folks, you're like, God, you fix my problem, I'll tithe. It's reverse. Some of you are like, your prayers are like really a, 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 a strike. What's that, what's that word when they... Is it, is it called a strike? Not even a strike, but I mean, it's just like, what are those people that hold signs out there? Hey, you're, you're on, you're, you're, your prayers are really picketing. Yeah, no, not that mess. They're really, they're, it, yeah, you're just protesting. You're like, God, I'll really serve you when you fix my husband. Then I'll serve you. He said, Lord, can't you heal me? I can't walk. Can't you hear me? He said, yeah, he can. You know what he says? Crawl. You want to walk. You want God to heal you. He wants you to walk. You can't walk. He says, crawl. He said, I don't like crawling. No, duh. Pick up your mat. Everybody has a mat. I'm going to tell you that if you want a breakthrough in your life, you're going to have to pick up some mat. You have to do something. I can't. God can't just, can't he just? Yeah, he can. But I've found, you know, frequently, I've found in my life that, I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting old enough or more mature in the Lord now, I hope. That when miracles and breakthrough comes, I just realize, whoa, thank you. I mean, I didn't have to pick up a mat for that one. It was just a sovereign, bless me. Thank you, Jesus. And then again, I'm not sure if that was something I picked up a mat over. In other words, you have to slay every sacred cow. You need to take the word of the Lord and, and you need to cut that thing. Chop it up. Make sushi. Sushi's really fish, but you know what I'm talking about. Everybody say, pick up your mat. Don't get comfortable in your problems. I mean, I'm a fast. I'm a fast until you save my husband. You might starve. Because what you really need to fast is your negativity and you being the third part of the, of the Trinity. 
There was a, a man, man of God, I can't remember his name, but he used to come to the, uh, our church and, and preach. And he always, I'll do it, I'll do, I'll do what he did, I'll do what he did. He always did this, he always did this. He would come and he would wear a jacket, generally speaking, and he always did this. He always preached with his hands in his pockets. And his wife went nuts. It drove his wife berserk. And she would fast. They tell the story. She would fast and pray that he would stop it. Stop it. And he would just be like, you're here tonight. God really loves you. And he would like mess with his pockets. You weren't quite sure what he was doing. But the guy was really anointed. But I mean, he would be like, what are you doing? I mean, I noticed it. But they finally told the story. It was hysterical. So they're in service one time. The guy's all, hallelujah, the Lord's here. Thank you, Jesus. And his wife's all, and the Lord speaks to her and says, does it bother you that his hands are in his pockets? And she says, yes, God, yes. yes you know what bothers me. She's like, well, it doesn't bother me. She's like, Let me move on to the, one of the next last points here. This guy had control issues. <laughs> if you have control issues, you will hate my church. You hate it. Yeah, sometimes we give notes, sometimes we don't. Sometimes you do altar call in the beginning, sometimes at the end. And I'm sure we have... You know, we're all, you know, that's the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion is a brutal thing. Yeah, and I'm convinced it gets on us and we have to like, ugh, shake it off. And it constantly wants to come and set you, you know. You think the spirit of religion, well, that's like one of those main denominational churches where everything's liturgical. Continues for you. Even the Pentecostal churches have a liturgy. We have, we, we have, a, we have an order of how we do things. I like mixing it up every so often. This guy had, this guy, if he was going to get up and pick up his mat, now, if you read on further, it is the Sabbath, the Sabbath. No mat carrying on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, do you want to be well? Yes. What's your problem? I don't have a man. He, I am the man, basically. There's the man. The man standing there. Jesus says to him, pick up your mat. Get out of your comfort, place of comfort. Pick up your mat and walk. To pick up his mat... He was going to have to break ties with that dead, pharisaical, religious junk that was keeping him in his mat on the Sabbath day. You're going to have to, I'm going to tell you, some of you are going to have to break some stuff to move into the next level. You're going to have to break the mindset that you have. You're going to have to break where you're at. You're going to have to pick up your mat. But you're afraid that if you do it, then, oh, oh, what would they think? Oh, and sure enough, when he does the Sabbath police, they show up. And I promise you, oh yeah, I promise you that the Sabbath police will show up 
in your life when you decide to break out. I'm going to tell you, there's sometimes people don't break out of their stuff and people around them don't want to break out because it's this network of you're okay, I'm okay, we'll just stay in dysfunction and everything will be all jacked up and we'll be jacked up together and one day we'll just make it to heaven. I've said it before, but if you're supposed to be in heaven, you'd be dead and you'd be there. But if you have a pulse... Go ahead, check. Yeah. Huh? If you don't have one, raise your hand. We'll come raise you up. If you have a pulse and you have a purpose, and you, you have a purpose, and it's not to lie in your mat, busted, disgusted, and broken, halt, withered, lame, blind, all messed up at the pool all your life. It is not God's will for you to be depressed. It's not God's will for you to be to be oppressed. It's not God's will for you to be addicted. It's not God's will for you to be under some demonic cloud where you're tormented every single night, waking up in horror. Waking up wishing that you didn't live. Wake, addicted to relationships that are abusive. Stuck in a rut of a dead-end job and don't have any faith to break out to do your own business that God's been telling you to do. It, come on, I'm telling you, God wants you to break out. He wants you to break out. And the danger of being in a church like ours is that you hear messages like this and stay on the bank, on your mat. Busted and disgusted, hoping for God to come through when He's telling you, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. read your Bible, pray in tongues, get involved, do something. Come on, the Son of God died on a cross, rose again, ah, rose again from the grave so that you can rise up and have life abundant. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, stand up on your feet and say hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. All right, sit down. Ramaha. Let's read this. Look at verse 8. Y'all there, John 5, verse 8. Just a couple moments and we'll be done. Then Jesus said to him, Get up! <laughs> that's how I read it. <laughs> okay. Jesus, that's the Bracken version right there. Get up! Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. Picked up his mat and he walked. That day in which it took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said of the man who had been healed, It's the Sabbath. Here they are. Sabbath police. The law forbids that you carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> man, the word preaches all by itself. Doesn't even need any help, does it? Look at verse 12. So they asked him, Who's this fellow who told you to pick it up? God did this miracle for him. And the truth is, he doesn't even know who it is. And it's amazing. Verse 13. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus, watch this, had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Why is it 
that after we get touched so many times, it seems that Jesus slips away. You want to know why? Because he wants to know whether you're after a miracle or the master. And you can have a God, you can have a life of seeking miracles, constantly believing for a breakthrough, or you can have a relationship with the one who is the Lord of the breakthrough and live in abiding relationship with God day in, day out. God doesn't want you to live on miracles. He wants you to live on kingdom principles where miracles are released on a daily basis. But if you don't learn to live in the character of Christ, you don't learn to live from the Beatitudes. I mean, really, come on. If you don't learn to live like that, then you'll always believe for the next stirring. God wants to give you great breakthrough. He really does. The danger of being at a pool where in a church, at a place where there's great a great release of his power is that you stay the same way. And if you stay this, I'm just going to say this, it might sound arrogant, but it's the way I heard it when I woke up from my nap. If people stay the same way in this house, month after month, year after year, it's not God's fault. And the Lord told me it's not your fault either, son. Now I have seen over the course of my time here, people return to the vomit over and over and over. And I said to myself, God, isn't there anything I can do? And yeah, you can pray. And we do. And we will. But there's something that you need to do. And I might only be talking to two or three people or, and, and, or maybe just encouraging those who already know what I'm telling you. You've got to get discipled. If you go after Jesus so he can pay your mortgage, the second your mortgage gets paid, you'd just be out doing something foolish all over again and you wouldn't have learned a thing and you'll be in the same place. Every touch you ever had, every miracle you've ever gotten, every healing that you've ever received in your soul or in your physical body is so that you would come into a deep abiding relationship with the only one who can satisfy you. Down in the city of your soul, his name is Jesus. And I will tell you that your wife can't help you, sir, ma'am, your husband can't give you what you really need. Only Jesus can satisfy you in the depths of your being, a deep abiding walk with the one who made you only him it's not about miracles it is about the master and you need to know that sometimes he slips away to see if you really come to know his name what his name really is and who you really are and and look watch this oh oh jesus watch this what this is crazy this messed me up so bad look at verse 14 Jesus, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and he told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Now I thought about that. I saw it differently tonight. I thought, in times past, I thought, man, that guy, it was sin that caused him to be by the pool for 38 years. Is that possible? Absolutely. Sin will make you sick. Sin will mess you up. It'll cost you to, it'll get you to pay more than you ever wanted to, dig you a hole, and the wages of it is death. 
But you know what this guy's sin is? I felt like the Lord spoke to me. You know what his sin was? He didn't tell anybody who gave him the miracle, and he didn't, have any, he didn't care about finding out actually who did it. His sin was not testifying about the one who is the miracle worker. And I will tell you that many of you are here that have received deliverance, received God's power, received God's healing, but you've not shared it at all. And I will tell you, that's a horrible, horrible thing. And so I, I don't know how. Find a way. Do it every way that you can. Try, like I told you, I used to pull up to cars and just yell at people, Excuse me, Jesus loves you. Word! And just do a neutral drop and just peel off because I couldn't handle it. Don't talk to me. Jesus loves you. And I just burn out. Don't treat church like Target. Don't treat church like Walmart. You're like, well, I'm just going to go shopping. You just come in. Hallelujah. I need a miracle. And you come walking down here. I'm not, I'm not in yet. I'm coming. Here we come. Okay. Right, right, okay. Here we come. I come in. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Touch me, God. Help me. Boom. He touches you. You get your miracle. Like, awesome. We'll see you later. And you just went shopping at Walmart. And, and, and churches like Target. Huh? You just come and get your little fix. There are people that have not been discipled. And so as a result, I'm close with this. Micah, would you come to the piano, please? There's people who have come to church and they never get discipled. Part of it is because of internal problems with their, their own lack of commitment. They've been wounded. They've been hurt. And I've been one of those. And so they don't want to, you know, I love God, but people, they kind of freak me out. So, you know, as soon as it's over, you just take off. Don't want to talk to anybody. Don't want to be noticed. Jesus found him at the temple and said, Okay, you're well. Now stop sinning. When God does breakthroughs for you, which he'll do all of your life as you abide in him, be sure that you do your part to not sin, which, which I think in this case is the Jews were asking. There's religious people out there that want to know, Why are you so happy? Why do you go to church so much? What is it? I mean, can't you take a break? You're going to burn out. Getting discipled, growing in God, becoming part of a realities class, getting involved in ministry, helping at a candy lane or a pumpkin patch or an egg hunt, getting involved and helping people, that is also sharing what God has done. And, and being, being generous, doing your part, smiling at somebody. Come on, some, some Christians look like they're baptized in lemon juice for the love of God. What's wrong with you? He died and he rose again just for you. Might as well smile. so miserable. It's hard to be a Christian. Oh, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says it's hard is the way of the transgressor. Come on. God's on your side. You're by the pool. Jump in. Do something. He wants you to walk, but sometimes you need to crawl. You got to get discipled. You got to break off dysfunction. Pick up your mat. Come
Come on, quit looking at the pool the way it's supposed to work in your own mind and fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of the good work that He's begun in you. He's hemmed you in before and behind. His Word is powerfully at work within you, causing to will and act according to His good will, to His good purpose. God's on the throne. Devil's been defeated. The devil's got to go. And you've got to stand. You've got to stand up and you're God-given, blood-bought right and determine that the pool is stirring for you. You can stir the pool by your own faith. Pick up your mat. Quit belly aching. Come on, somebody. Give praise to God. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, be seated. Go ahead, sit down. Just for a moment. If this message spoke to you, stand up. Lift your hands to Jesus. We got church aerobics. Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord and you talk to Him. I believe that the Lord has spoken to people about, about being codependent, about looking for somebody, some man. I believe that God has spoken about a con- construct problem where your breakthrough is going to come a certain way. You got it all figured out, but that hasn't happened yet, so you haven't had your breakthrough. Your breakthrough could come while you're praying in tongues, driving to Anchorage with your smartphone turned off. Your breakthroughs can come when you're worshiping God all by yourself, reading the Bible, praying, going to church, getting involved, serving, helping somebody else who's in a worse. There are people that are more messed up than you and I. Huh? There's people that are messed up and they're looking for somebody to help them. Come on, quit quit sinning and not telling somebody about the love of God. Share with them. Witness. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Go tell somebody about the love of God and what he did. He said, well, I can't talk. Well, you can say something. You yell at your wife pretty good. Why don't you just try to... Hey, come on. Come on, somebody, I'm going to say, Pastor, I'm going to share my faith this week. Come on, share your faith this week. You're going to do it. Invite somebody to church. Invite somebody to wag, all you you folks over there. Amen? All right. My daughter said to me, Dad, I go to homeschool and I go to church. Who am I going to invite? (laughs) We'll find somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Just, add, just let them touch you right now. Holy Spirit, touch your people. Lord, touch them right now. Lord, these different challenges, God, I pray that people would traverse them as they climb the mountain in faith. You're the healer. You heal my disease. You're the Savior. You save my soul. You're my deliverer. You delivered me. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And and I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm gonna pick up my mat and walk. Yes, I am. I'm gonna pick up my mat and walk. Yes, I am. I'm gonna pick up my mat and walk. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm not gonna be controlled by some religious demon and the Sabbath police. No, no. 
going to live in freedom and liberty. I'm not going to look for a man to set me free. I'm going to fix my gaze upon the King of Kings. I'm going to fix my thoughts upon the Word. I'm going to prosper. I'm going to live in abundant life with Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. Sing with us. I love you, I love you, I love you, Lord. I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus. I love you. <laughs> mm, hey, ho, devil, you gotta go. Hey, ho, devil, you gotta go. You gotta go, hey ho, devil. You gotta go right now, right now, right now. Hey ho, devil. Hey ho, hey ho, devil. You gotta go right now, right now. Sing it again, yeah. Hey ho, devil. You gotta go, hey ho, devil. You gotta. Just your voices sing. Hey ho. Bye bye. Hey ho. You gotta go. Hey ho. So long now. Come on, just wave goodbye. Hey yeah. Hey ho. Devil. Probably the other side. Gotta go. Hey ho. All the princesses. Hey ho. <laughs> sing it again. Sing. Hit the road, Jack. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. Awesome. Lord God, thank you for what you've done tonight. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them from sinning. Help them. <laughs> Keep them from sinning. Help them to share their faith and walk in victory. Lord, we look to you, Father of heavenly lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Lord, bless your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Hope to see you this week. Praise God. Keep us in prayer. We're driving to Delta Junction to have revival up there next uh, tomorrow night. We love you. Praise God. We'll see you Sunday. Or next Tuesday. Bless you.